Welcome to RHP Market Talk. I'm Natalie Pika, partner at Royal Harbor Partners. And with me again today is Glenn Royal, also a partner and portfolio manager at Royal Harbor Partners. First, let me thank our listeners for your response to our, our very first podcast. The response was so overwhelmingly positive that we wanted to get our post-election thoughts out to you quickly. So, Glenn, <laughs> um, this has certainly been a tense week for everyone, and um, we're certainly glad to be on the other side of this uncertainty that we felt in the weeks leading up to this election. Um, now we want to turn our attention to post-election outlook for markets as we digest at least what we know up to this point. Um, so from what we we have seen historically, um, it, it markets like a divided government, and it appears at this point that that's likely what we're going to have. Um, what What can you speak to in terms of your own past experience um, about divided governments and what it might look like for markets going forward? Uh, well, good to be here, Natalie. Good to see you. It's been a, a trying week, and I'm, I'm, uh, frankly, I'm really glad it's over with. We've come to the close of it. Uh, looking forward to the weekend here. I'm sure we all are. Uh, you know, divided government, I, I think a lot of it goes hand in hand with what parties in control of which branch. Right. So what we know works the best is the setup that we have right now, where you have a Democrat in the White House and Republicans controlling the finances in Congress. Mm-hmm. In this case, we have a Republican-controlled uh, Senate. And I think the voters sent a very, very clear message in this election that they're looking for more centrist, not so much the extremes of the party. I say that because we saw quite a big pickup in Republican seats in the House in this election as well. So I think that's kind of baking in the cake. Uh, But in all market environments, the best return potential, historical returns, have been Democrat in the White House, Republicans in control of the Senate. So I think that setup is again in front of us. Okay. So given that that's what the outlook is it's shaping up to be, what's your view on the future economic growth? Um, considering the virus is still with us, we're seeing some surge in, infection, in infections. Um, you know, third quarter GDP numbers were good, but and the economy has some momentum, but the virus is certainly going to be a headwind. What are you thinking um, you know, ultimately for 2020 and then looking all the way ahead into 2021. Right. That, that's really, you know, our focus is kind of more longer term play here. Well, you know, we, we had to clear several things. And number one was the election. We, can, we cleared that soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll, we'll hear something on the president. But um, I, I think what it what what happens is in this setup with uh the Republicans controlling the Senate, you're still going to see the pro-growth, pro-business policies of, of President Trump in terms of low taxes and deregulation. That's going to be a positive for uh, the markets going forward. Also, the fact that there wasn't this blue wave that everyone ex- expected, and yeah. we were joking and laughing, calling it's really potentially a blue mist that's color coming us, right? Um, I think with that, uh, it, it sets it up where... 
concerns that we had that a wholesale blue wave policies, stimulus policies would come in, would have the potential to reignite inflation with all their growth uh, programs, the big stimulus bills, uh, the uh, infrastructure programs, et cetera. Uh, what we've seen, and that's because that volatility in the bond market that you see, you saw the bond market selling off as right. we thought that the, the blue wave was happening last week right. based on polling. Uh, now that the election results have actually happened, this divided Congress, you're seeing rates come back down. So I think the combination of pro business policies and the Republican Republicans that control the Senate with um, also, on the Democrat side, under Biden, we see less rhetoric on trade, a calming down of trade and tariffs that we're seeing in that area. Mm-hmm. So you're setting this market up for really a pretty good 21. I, I do see the COVID is resurging. Uh, it's clearly in Europe. You're seeing them shut down. We've got two record days, back-to-back days of outbreaks here in the United States. Uh, we're not seeing the hospitals overwhelmed yet, but we're just clearly looking for that situation. But I think the biggest change now versus spring is we're not going to shut this economy down. We're learning to live with this COVID. We're learning, uh, frankly, that a lot of the shutdowns didn't have a big benefit, right? Uh, other than it just damaged the economy. So I don't see. Uh, I see us learning to live with it until we get that vaccine or that cure, uh, herd immunity, whatever it may be. And I keep leaning towards a vaccine, and I do get blowback when I bring that up. The blowback is that. I'm not taking a vaccine, mm. right? We've heard mm-hmm. that time now. Who's going to take that vaccine? But here's what I want you to focus on. It isn't so much about you or I taking the vaccine. It's about giving governments confidence to stop shutting the economy down. If it takes a vaccine to give European governments or Asian or local governments here in the United States the confidence to not do right, that anymore, right. that's all going to feed into a positive 21. So I'm, I'm pretty optimistic about it. Uh, we, can, we can talk a little bit more about that all day long if you want. Or we can go to a different segment. Yeah, I'm, I'm optimistic. Well, um, there's so much. I mean, this week has been a very, very long week, and I know we're all a little little punch drunk at this point with all of this, you know, um, and there's, there's again, just so much information coming out everywhere. Um, you know, yesterday the fed spoke, um, they kept interest rates the same, um, at the same time, bank of England, uh, did a big, a big, um, quantitative easing package in response to the virus. Um, what do you think about interest rates going forward, maybe into 21 and where the fed is? Uh, so you, you have seen this movement that we just discussed, but also against that backdrop, you have a Fed that's more focused on getting this economy going again, getting people back to work. We had a pretty good employment number. It came down uh, to 6.9 from 7.9. Yeah, so it did. Right. we're still seeing this recovery come this way. So I think where the Fed's going to, they telegraph that they're going to keep rates low for the next three years. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think with this divided government, that's likely to happen because I won't have the big stimulus packages of a blue wave, all right. Democrats. So uh, that being said, 
we're getting to a point. This gets. We're going to peel back the, the layer, the, the layer of the onion again. One more, one more layer here. A little deeper on this, and this has to do with inflation. What's going to cause inflation? You, you have interest rates practically at zero in inflation. We've actually had what we call negative real rates. Um, Going forward, if you buy a 10-year treasury, you're buying it knowing you're losing 1% of your purchasing power today because of negative real rates. What what I'm concerned about a little bit, and and, and, uh, Fed Chairman Powell spoke to this yesterday out of the Fed meeting, is that you don't want to see where the Fed uh, starts to uh, monetize uh, uh, fiscal policy. So we haven't had that yet. We've had the Fed where it basically, you know, does everything it can for full employment, low inflation, and the banking system and making sure that's working. Mm -hmm. But we haven't had, and the government, the Congress, the White House, has basically had all fiscal spending controls through their budgetary agreements. If we ever come into the danger, and this was perhaps a little more risk of a blue wave, right. I think that's tampered down some, but if you get where the Fed is actually monetizing Congress's spending authority, then you have this big 800-pound gorilla, U.S. government, crowding out purchases amongst the rest of the economy. That's inflationary. So that we haven't seen. That's one of the reasons you've been able to see the budget deficit increase because we're growing our GDP faster than we are our debt. Right. But we're getting to that point because of the high debt levels that I, I think there's some risk there that we may see that. So we're, we're cautious of it. And at the same time, I want to talk about the politics again. Um, since the Senate's uh, in Republican hands, we've had, uh, I've noticed uh, Senator Ted Cruz and Senator Lindsey Graham both talk about being budget hawks again. Mm. So they're going to come back focused on the debt uh, in the Senate for the next four years uh, to offsetting that uh, spending. So it may have an impact, uh, a lesser impact on inflation. We don't see anything in the short run that, that would drive rates higher. Uh, inflation robs you of your purchasing powers. So rates go higher to compensate for that. Um, but it's certainly something we're watching. Uh, I, I think, you know, we, we talked a little bit, I may segue here a little bit about the 60-40 portfolio, the traditional balance portfolio. Right. Yeah. Yes. What do you do, right? Right, right. And and so I, I don't think we're going to get much interest uh, rate payments out of the bond market. It's going to stay pretty much like it is for a few years because that Fed put on it, if you will. Um, but I, I, I see that we're clients uh, are going to have to shift is over more towards growth. Um, there is a potential for the private equities and the alternative investments and things that you go for, but those are risky assets. Very, so very we're going to be in a situation where we're going to have to compensate in order to get that 7 8% return you're used to, but probably increasing equity exposure, mm-hmm. uh, unfortunately. Uh, I, I still think that bonds serve their purpose as, as a diversifier of risk. However, at zero rates, there's not that interest coupon payment of 3 4%, 5% that would give you a real benefit if, if the stock market went down. So we're not seeing that from bonds anymore. Uh, and that was the case uh, in this last few months. You've seen stocks sell off and the bond market sell off at the same time or both go up together. Well, normally, there's a counter uh, uh, weight to that. 
So I, I, it's it's an uncertain area right now, uh, but I think it does say if sixty forty was your traditional portfolio, maybe you need to go to seventy thirty going mm-hmm. forward until rates do normalize and we get back to that. Um, but without a big growth push from Democrats in you know, a blue wave, I don't see rates going right. on much higher. And I think, um, you know, from the standpoint of how our team operates, we lean heavily on planning first. Yes. And then we move into the the portfolios and then we talk a little bit about, you know, okay, how, how are we mixed? You, you know, what's your investment mix? How does that look for you? I think it's even more important in times like these to really look and understand how your portfolio is invested, what your goals are and what your time horizons look like and things like that. Because we've, we do have to look at what your rate of return needs to be your personal rate of return mm-hmm. to make that goal. And maybe just a traditional 60, 40 is, is not going to potentially get you there. So not, not in a zero rate world. I'm afraid not. Right. Um, Okay. Well, like I said, there's there's so much that we could unpack about this week. I would um, like to add one thing, if I may. One area okay. where we're seeing interest that we are starting to move on, a little idea here, and that's back in the international markets, even more so in emerging mm-hmm. markets. Uh, they're in a pretty good sweet spot here. You have removing potential issues of trade, you know, the tariff rhetoric that's out there calming that down, which is making the dollar kind of go calm in here. It's not spiking up, which is bad for uh, your uh, emerging economies because they pay everything in the dollar. dollar costs them more. So the dollar's weaker, kind of calming down in here. Uh, and then uh, I think with the calming of the trade rhetoric, these emerging markets are really setting themselves up some pretty good opportunities in here. And it's, it's something that we've recently taken some positions in and uh, I'm looking forward to that. So what you've seen is the leadership in this market has been all technology, right? That's really, right. really the last 10 years uh, tech has been at. And it, and it continues to be a good spot. It's where all the earnings growth is, the work from home, et cetera, et cetera, that, that benefits tech. But I, I think that when you look at the valuations of tech and you see that they're you know, two and three standard deviations on the price earnings multiple compared to the historical norm. These are rich stocks. Now, there's a reason they're profitable, right? We're, we're going where the growth is. But if we start to see growth broaden out, and you saw it in industrials, you saw it in materials, you saw it in a lot of stocks that look like they could pick up in this broadening global economy that we see going particularly in a post-COVID world, mm-hmm. um, then I, that's where I see it. Value. In, in, the, in the classic sense versus growth and also uh, international versus the U.S. Uh, those stocks have really been left in the dust the last 10 years, and we may be in a, a leadership change in the market. You can see it happening in the last few months. So uh, that's the only thing I'm a little cautious of is, is leadership changes at different points in, in market cycles, and we may be in the midst of one right now. Okay. Well, thank you so much for for just breaking some of this down for us. I, I know that um, our listeners really, really appreciate it. So um, thank you so much for joining us for this episode of RHP Market Talk. I'm Natalie Pika. If you have comments or questions about today's episode, please find us online 
at www.royalharborpartners.com. We would love to hear from you. You can send us a message. Um, And you can also subscribe to our podcasts on the Apple Podcast app or follow us on Spotify. Thank you for listening. Royal Harbor Partners is a registered investment advisor, and the opinions expressed by Royal Harbor Partners on this show are their own. All statements and opinions expressed are based upon information considered reliable, although it should not be relied upon as such. Any statements or opinions are subject to change without notice. Information presented is for educational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any specific securities, investments, or investment strategies. Investments involve risk and unless otherwise stated, are not guaranteed. Information expressed does not take into account your specific situation or objectives and is not intended as recommendations appropriate for any individual. Listeners are encouraged to seek advice from a qualified tax, legal, or investment advisor to determine whether any information presented may be suitable for their specific situation. Past performance is not indicative of future performance.